Now, two weeks ago, we started a new series on uh, purpose. Uh, it was called, simply called Purpose, and purpose is one of those things that many of us are in search of. And you, if you would kind of think through your life or maybe other people's lives, you would understand that at some point in our lives, all of us ask the question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? You know, maybe a mom has asked that. You know, why, what really is the purpose, God, that you have for me in this role of motherhood? Regardless of whatever role that you might be in life, all of us ask that kind of question. At some point in lives, we, we wonder, is there something I'm supposed to be doing? Am I missing out on something? If I don't find this specific purpose that I'm supposed to be living for. And we go on these journeys in search of answers to this issue of purpose. Some people look within. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've tried a little bit and I didn't find much inside me. And that was supposed to be a really good joke at that moment. It was supposed to be like really funny that you would laugh that there's really nothing in me worth finding. But it died up here with me, so... Some people look within. Some people look to world religions, you know, hoping to find answers to purpose. Some people look in, in accomplishments or relationships or possessions, thinking maybe if I accumulate a certain number of things or if I have a certain number of letters behind my name, maybe I will discover purpose. But the Bible says that you were created by God and for God. And if that's true, we believe that it is, then God has a specific purpose for you. He has a specific reason that you were created and there are specific things that he wants you to do. And that's what we're trying to discover together in this series. Now, last week, we talked about our first purpose and probably the hardest purpose that we're gonna look at for us to fully engage is this issue of us letting God love us. So your first purpose is not to serve God, it's not to trust God. It's not to obey God. It's not even to love God back because the Bible says we can't love God without God first loving us. So God says, listen, the first thing I want you to do is just let me love you. And often we struggle with that and how to really do that. How do we just let someone love us? If you're reading through our devotional book that we've been exploring together as a church, The Purpose Driven Life, um, you read this past week about worship and you read about becoming a friend of God. And the amazing thing about Christianity is Christianity says it really is possible for you to have a great relationship with the creator of the universe. I don't know any other religion around the world that makes those claims. <laughs> And so you were reading about worship, you were reading about friendship with God, and those things come out of us just letting God love us. Now, our second purpose that we're going to look at today is birthed out of that first purpose, and we're going to pick up where we left off in Ephesians chapter 1. So listen to verse 4 and verse 5. We looked at this last week. But even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. So that's where we got our first purpose from. God created you to love you. And it says, so God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And, and we looked at that last week and said, listen, we have lots of faults and it's amazing that our creator would say, when I look at you, I don't look at your faults. I look at you and my incredible love for you. And verse five says, God decided in advance 
So we're thinking about verse four a little bit. So even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. So back then, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So your first purpose is to be loved by God. Your second purpose is to belong to God to belong in his family. God created you so that you could be adopted into his family. That's why he either adopted you or that's why he wanted to, he wants to adopt you. Now there's two parts to that purpose that we're going to look at today. The first part is getting into God's family. That's the adoption process. And then the second part is living in God's family, how we should live in God's family. We're going to look at both of those today. Verse five again says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, the illustration that God uses here is the illustration of us being orphans. So when God looks at humanity, he sees all of us as orphans. We're like kids without parents, kids without a home, kids without a family, And that breaks God's heart. God doesn't want that. And so he says, listen, I want to resolve that. I want to adopt everyone on planet Earth who wants to be adopted. Now, that verse does apply and it does not apply to everyone. You see, God decided in advance that he was going to make adoption available to all humanity. That when Jesus died on the cross, he died for the sins of the entire world. He paid the price for our adoption. But here's the reality. You do not have to be adopted by God. You can opt out. And there's some confusion about that in our world. There are some people that say, we are all God's children. That's not true. We were all created by God, but we are not all God's children. Being a child of God means that you have agreed to be adopted by him. So if you say, listen, I do not want to be adopted by you. Thank you for creating me. But I, don't, I do not want to be part of your family. God will not force you to do something in that context that you do not want to do. God will not force you into his family. God gave us this incredible gift, this incredible thing that we love and we hate. It's called free will. So just get this. God created us and he said, I'm going to give you the gift of free will. You can reject me. I created you. You get life from me only. You wouldn't have it if I didn't give it to you, but I'm going to give you another gift. In addition to life, I'm going to give you free will. And you can choose. You can reject me if you want to, or you can accept me and you can enter a relationship with me. If you're through your free will, if you say, listen, I want to be adopted. I want to be a part of your family. God will gladly adopt you. Uh, Verse five ends by saying, this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So it gives God immeasurable pleasure. I mean, great pleasure. There's nothing that makes him happier than adopting people into his family. In fact, the Bible says that God throws a party whenever someone puts their faith and trust in him. There's a party that breaks out in heaven every time someone says, I want to be adopted. I would love to be a part of your family. So let me ask this. Has God thrown a party for you? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the only way to be adopted into God's family. There's no other way. 
We don't get into God's family simply believing there is a God. You realize demons believe there is a God? They are not a part of God's family. So you don't get into heaven just because, hey, I believe there's a God, or I believe that, that Jesus is real. We don't get into heaven by attending church. We don't get into God's family by being good people. There's only one way to be adopted into God's family, and that's through belief in what Jesus did on the cross for us. Romans 3.22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how far away from God you feel like you have been or you are in this context. If you want to be adopted into God's family, you can do that today through belief in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There's nothing magical about the words. It's just this incredible offer that God offers. He says, listen, you can be a part of my family. And again, through our free will, we can say, yes, I want that. Or no, I don't. It's a decision that we make. John 3.16, probably one of the most famous Bible verses in the entire world, says, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So belief in Jesus, being adopted into God's family is, is as simple as having a conversation with God and saying, I want to be adopted. I believe, Jesus, you died so I can live. And I want to receive that. And I, I do receive that. And I ask Jesus, you come into my life and be my Lord in my savior. Again, there's nothing magical about the words. It's the sincerity of our hearts that God is interested in. And a sincere prayer like that is how you get adopted into God's family. And only those people who put their faith and trust in Jesus get adopted into God's family. If you've never done that, I hope that you'll do that today. Now, let me give you a little more definition on God's family so you know what you're getting into. God's family is called the church. 1 Timothy 3 says, I am writing these things so you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household or family of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. So being a part of God's family and God's definition means we are connected with his church. Now, there is the capital C church, global church family all around the world. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are a part of that global church family all around the world. And then there is the little c local church family like us here today. The church is not a building. It's not an event. It's not something we go to. It's something that we belong to. It's God's family, and God wants everyone to be a part of his family. Now, some of you, especially if you are not connected with a church family, or maybe you would say, you know, I'm not so sure I believe all that Christianity teaches, and maybe you're here today just checking out church uh, for the first time. Maybe you would say something like this, like, I don't mind God so much. I mean, it sounds great. God wants to love me. He wants to adopt me. That sounds fantastic. But, you know, the church, that's a whole nother story. 
And most of us understand that there's a whole lot of baggage around the church. Many people uh, don't have great um, memories or great experiences with God's family, the church. For many people, the church or God's family represents pain, represents sorrow, represents hypocrisy, Uh, It it represents maybe some bad memories and people all around the world have had bad experiences with churches and people who claim to be Christ followers, part of God's family, and that breaks God's heart. So that's why how we live in God's family is so incredibly important. The world around us is deciding whether or not they want to be adopted into God's family based upon how we live our lives. When people outside the church see us treating other people poorly, guess what? They don't want to have anything to do with God's family. When people see us living hypocritical lives, you know, talking about one thing, doing another, they don't want to be a part of God's family. When people see us talking about love on Sundays and hating people the rest of the week, they do not want to be a part of God's family. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them for for having that perspective. I don't blame them for distancing themselves from the church. And in many cases, when somebody distanced themselves from the church, they distanced themselves from God as well. That's why how we live is so important. That's why around here, we work so hard not to just do church, If you're new with us, our strategy as a church is is this, that we want to be a church for people who don't do church. Now, there's two parts to that. And the first part is this. We don't want to just do church. We don't want to just come in here, have a holy huddle, pat each other on the back and go, hey, you're doing a good job, and then leave here not being changed and not caring about the world that's around us. We don't want that. That's why we go into our community to serve. That's why we have events like 3G Saturday and 3G Sunday where we pour out into our community, hundreds of us, to go serve our community so that they know Jesus loves them. That's why we encourage people to get connected in small groups where you can learn how to be the church for each other. You know, the reality is I can't meet everybody's needs, But when you get in the context of a small group, your needs can be met there. People can love you. People can encourage you. People can support you. People can speak truth to you in that context. That's why we take God's Bible so seriously. We take it very seriously. When God says in scripture that we should do something, we should live a certain way, we take it seriously. We should do that. Why? Because we represent Christ to the world. And people are deciding whether they want to be a part of God's family or not based upon how we live our lives. Now, the second part of that statement is that we are after people who would say, I don't do church. So when I invite someone to church and say, hey, we'd love to invite you to come uh, to Epic, our, our church family, and if I get the response, which happens more often than I, uh, than I anticipated, I get the response, no thanks, I don't do church. And I love that response. Because what I say back is, that's fantastic. You will love it here. Because we don't do church either. And, and they go, what does that mean? How can you be a church that doesn't do church? That doesn't make sense. Like, okay, well, let me explain it to you. Here's what it means. 
Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So if you don't know Jesus, from God's perspective, you are lost. You may not feel lost. You may say, well, I'm not lost. I know where I am. I I know what I'm doing in my life. But from God's perspective, you're not a part of his family. And God says, that's a lost person that I love and I want them to be enfolded into my family. That's an orphan that I want to adopt. And God wants all of us to be enfolded into a loving church family where people can be loved, people can be cared for, people can be taught how to live inside God's family and how to interact with the world outside God's family. Again, your second purpose, the second purpose that God has for us is to belong to him. Now, the sad reality is that in many church contexts, there are people who don't, just want, who don't want just anyone to be a part of their church family. Uh, maybe you've experienced something like that. In some churches, if you don't dress the right way, if you don't speak the right way, if you don't vote the right way, if you don't live the right way, if you don't believe the right things, then you are not welcome at that church. And if you will go somewhere and learn all those things, I'm not exactly sure where you're supposed to go learn all those things, but if you'll go learn all those things and come back dressed the right way, speaking the right way, believing the right things, voting the right way, then you might be accepted into that church family. But that's not what God intended. When God came up with this idea that he would create families all around the world, so people anywhere that wanted to get to know Jesus, wanted to be adopted into his family, could be enfolded into a local church family, that's not what God intended when he came up with that idea. Do you know why Epic is designed the way that it is? So new people will feel welcome you know, I understand as, as new people come in, you may be new here today and you may say, listen, I don't know if I believe all that you believe. That's great. I, I'm okay with that. Um, I want you to know this is a place you can come in and feel safe and you can begin a journey of exploration. I want you to explore. I think Jesus is the, the only way for you to have a relationship with God that'll last forever. And I think you can discover that here and how to grow in that relationship. But if you come in and go, listen, I'm not so sure about that, that's fine. Hang out with us. Explore with us. I want you to know this is a safe place for you to do that. Do you know why I dress casually on most Sundays? And, and I, I dressed up a little bit today because it's mom's day, you know. We have a child dedication in the second service, so I thought I'd put on a button shirt, but I really wanted to wear a T-shirt today. But you know why I, I typically dress down? Because I can, yes. (laughs) It's not because I'm in rebellion for all those years my parents made me dress up. It has nothing to do with that. I dress down because I want people who come in that are new to feel comfortable when they come in. You know how many people say, I don't have the right clothes to go to church? I mean, that just kills me when I hear that. You don't have to go buy a new wardrobe. I mean, if you have clothes, wear them. That's what you can wear when you come. If you have shorts, that's great. If you have a t-shirt, that's great. If you have jeans, if you like to dress up, fantastic, dress up. You like to dress down, great, dress down. Here's the reality. God doesn't care what you look like on Sundays. He doesn't care about the outward stuff. Jesus spoke very clearly about that to the religious leaders of his day. He said, listen, you look great on the outside, but you're like dead man's bones on the inside. God doesn't care what, what shirt you wear, if it's wrinkled or pressed or whatever. It's a t-shirt. God cares about what's going on in your heart. So I dress down so that people will feel a little more comfortable as they come in and can explore. 
a relationship with God. Now, do you know why that we teach the way that we do around here? Why I teach the way I do, why Tim teaches the way that he does? It's so people will feel welcomed into the conversation, that they'll be a part of the conversation. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're exploring Christianity, you're new to Christianity, or you're a longtime believer in Jesus. I want everyone to understand what we're talking about. I don't want anyone to come in and sit down and go, I have no clue what he's saying. I don't know that Bible story. So if you don't know that Bible story, I want to help you out. I want to help you to understand that Bible story just a little bit. I think everybody should be welcomed into the conversation. When we're talking about God's most important thing, we're talking about God's written word and how to apply it to our lives, everybody should be able to understand what we're saying. I think God wants pastors to be clear and simple. I think God wants pastors to share his message in a very clear and simple way so we can understand it. I don't know about you, but I don't do well with complex, confusing, complicated messages. I need clear and simple. And I think that's what God wants us to do as we share his love with other people. So every church has to decide. Every church has to decide, have to answer the question, who is really welcome in their church family? And here's how we've answered that question here at Epic. Epic is for anyone who wants to learn how to apply the teachings of Jesus. Anyone who wants to be adopted into God's family. So it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're tall or short. It doesn't matter if you have hair or do not. We're, we're, we favor those that are bald, but you know, <laughs> those with hair, it's okay. You're welcome. We want you to know you're welcome here. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or have never been in a church before today. Maybe it's your first time coming into a church. None of that matters. If you want to be a part of God's family, if you want to learn to live like Jesus, then you're welcome here. I want you to know that. I want you to know that, you know, the, the welcome mats out in front of our church, they don't say welcome, but that's why they're there so that you know that you are welcome. Now, some of you, again, you might be thinking, hey, that's great, thanks for the invitation, but I'm not so sure I want to be a part of the church family. Isn't it a little dysfunctional? So let me just answer that. It's a lot dysfunctional, okay? So, so just so you know, I grew up around the church, and so I've seen a lot of dysfunction in, in my life around church world. And the reason God's family, the church, is so dysfunctional is because I'm a part of it. Okay, so is Epic the perfect church? No, because I'm its pastor and I'm a little dysfunctional. I don't always live like Jesus. I don't always treat my family the way that I should. You know, ask my wife, ask my kids. They'll vouch for me this morning on this one, okay? So I do not always get this family thing right. And guess what? God's family is a little dysfunctional because you're a part of it. If you're a follower of Jesus, if this is your church home, you add a little dysfunction to our church family. The only part of God's family that isn't dysfunctional is the relationship between the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Every other member of God's family is dysfunctional. So we all bring a certain level of dysfunction, and that's why God sent Jesus Jesus said, listen, I'll come to planet Earth. I'll model for you how to live. I'll show you how to interact with each other. That's why God gave us the Bible, so that now we could, we could watch Jesus, and we could watch him again and again and again and again and learn how to apply how Jesus lived and how to apply the teachings of the Bible to our lives. So 
How does God want us to live in his family? First thing is this. We're going to talk about just a couple of things. Uh, First thing is this. We should treat everyone like they matter because they do. Everyone starts life as an orphan that God wants to adopt. And it's been part of God's plan since before the world began to adopt everyone into his family. So let me ask you, do you treat people like that? Do you treat people like they matter to God, that they are so incredibly valuable to God and they belong inside his family? The truth is you will never lock eyes with another person for whom Jesus did not die. You will never come across another person that Jesus said, uh, that didn't say, I love that person enough, I would be willing to die for them so that they could be adopted into God's family. So do you treat people like they matter and they can be adopted into his family? Now, the second thing I think that we should do is we should resolve conflict when it arises, So what's one common thing in all families? Conflict. Yeah, you were a little afraid to say it, but 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 yeah, like it's it's common in every family relationship. So guess what is common in church world? Conflict. So conflict happens everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's a family relationship, doesn't matter if it's a church relationship, because we are imperfect people. We all bring a little dysfunction. And so, yeah, we're all going to bump each other just a little bit. And I don't think God is all that bothered with our conflict. He knows we're going to do that. I think God is bothered when we don't resolve our conflict in a way that really brings honor to him. Now, we may not all agree on everything, And we're not going to agree on everything, but God wants us to pour out grace for each other. He wants us to speak the truth in love to each other. He wants us to resolve conflict when it arises, not if it arises, because it will arise in any kind of family relationship. And God has given us some very specific guidelines in the Bible for how to resolve conflict. And let me just say a quick word about that. If you're a guest with us this morning, you can tune me out for just a minute. Uh, But if you call Epic your church home, I just want all of us to agree on a few things when it comes to resolving conflict, because we're a part of a church family, it's going to happen. So let's just uh, agree to a few things related to how we resolve it. And uh, the first thing I want us to agree to is resolving conflict in a way that really honors God. Now, we come from all different backgrounds, some church backgrounds, some not church backgrounds. Sometimes we don't understand how to resolve conflict, but God's got a clear path in scripture for us how to do that. In Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 18, Galatians chapter 6, God tells us to resolve conflict in person. He says, have your conversation with somebody else in person. And then he says, do that with all grace and all humility, So we should not try to resolve our conflict on email or Facebook or social media or by phone, rarely, rarely by phone should we ever try to resolve conflict. And here's what Matthew 18 says. When you're in conflict with someone, go to them directly, have a conversation with them, have a one-on-one conversation. If that doesn't go well, then go get a neutral party. Neutral party is important. Why? Because I can go get my friend who likes me a whole lot better than he likes you. And guess what my friend's going to do? My friend's going to side with me. Guess who your friend's going to side with? You. So go get a neutral party. Go get somebody else to come and help listen to that story and to help us resolve that conflict. If that doesn't work, there's a plan in Matthew 18. It's to go to a church leader 
Go to a church leader and say, listen, we're having some conflict. We're part of the church family. We need a little bit of help here. God's put you in a position of leadership. Will you help us resolve this conflict? And then uh, that person, their job is to help resolve the conflict that is there. Now, here's why this is so important. Jesus said, I mean, get what Jesus said. The world will know that he is real, that he was really sent from God. He was really sent from heaven to adopt people into a relationship with him based upon how we live, based upon how we treat each other, the love that we have for each other. That's how people know that Jesus is real. So people's eternities are hanging in the balance. I mean, they could be adopted into God's family or choose not to be adopted into God's family. And guess what? How we live can tip the scales in one way or another So I just want us all to, let's just agree as a church family that we will resolve conflict in a way that honors God. We'll talk to anybody at any time if it appears that we are in conflict. So church family, are we okay with that? We good? So some sort of affirmation, there you go. So we've got three of us that are excited about that. That's, That's awesome. That's great. All right, if you're a guest, you can tune me back in. So when we treat people like they matter, when we resolve conflict as it arises, we create a family environment that people want to be a part of. People on the outside go, what do you have? Why do you guys treat each other that way? Why do you guys resolve conflict that way? Why is that so important that you'll resolve conflict? And they want to be involved in a family environment like that. So if you are part of God's family, will you help us create that kind of environment here at Epic? Will you help us treat everyone who comes in contact with us as if they matter because they do? And then will you do whatever it takes to resolve conflict as it arises within our church family? I mean, will you say, listen, I'll talk to anybody anywhere. If it appears that I'm in conflict or somebody's in conflict with me, I will help resolve it. And then will you commit to be a lifelong student of the Bible and will you commit to do what it says? So when the Bible has some challenging things to say, and when you read the Bible and it challenges you in a way to step outside of your comfort zone, will you say, you know what? Following what you have for me, God, is way more important than I want to do. So I will do it. Now I will be, learn to become a student of the Bible and a student of Jesus. I want to live the way that, that he lived. Now, if you are searching for a church home, and every Sunday we get new people here and they're kind of checking out church, kicking the tires and looking for a place that they can call home. If that's you today, uh, let me just tell you again, we're not the perfect church. Again, I'm the pastor, so we're not a perfect place. But I invite you to join us. I invite you to join us in creating a space where people can know they belong. And, And you can play an incredible part in that. If you aren't a Christ follower, Will you let God love you? And will you let God adopt you into his family? Again, it's a decision that you make. God offers adoption and you either say, yes, I want it or no, I don't. And like I I shared just a few moments ago, getting into God's family is a simple, sincere prayer where you say, I want that. I want to be in your family. I want to be adopted. I believe you sent Jesus to die to pay my adoption price so I could be a part of your family. I want that. I accept that free gift. I mean, it's that simple. And if you've never prayed that prayer before, I I hope that you'll do that today. I mean, you don't need my help to do that. It's just a conversation that you have between you and God. It's just basically similar words to what I said. And you say, God, I want to be adopted. I want to be a part of your family. And when you do that, God will throw a party for you. So if you've not done that, 
I hope you will. And then I hope you'll join us in figuring out how to be the church, how to be the church for each other, and how to be the church for the community that God has placed us in. Now, as I close, let me just ask you a few rhetorical questions about the role that you play in this family, okay? If you're a part of our church family, if you're a part of another church family, then think about these questions. If you're a Christ follower, what kind of family member are you? Are you adding more dysfunction than is necessary to God's family? Or are you working hard to reduce the dysfunction in your own life and in our family relationships? Are you passionately committed to resolving conflict as it arises? Like, are you willing to talk to anybody at any point? If it seems like somebody might have something wrong with you, you might have something wrong with someone else, are you willing to do whatever it takes to resolve that conflict in a way that honors God? Are you reading the Bible? Like, are you reading it on a regular basis? And then are you doing what it says? Are you actually living what God says in scripture for us to live? That's our source of absolute truth. As followers of Jesus, we have to be lifelong students of the Bible. It's what God wants for us. And then are people around you, maybe in your family, maybe at work, maybe at school, are they drawn to God because of how you live? Do you live differently? And do they look at you and go, wow, there's something different about you. I gotta find out what it is. I'm drawn in and up just a little bit because of how I see you living. You live so differently. And then as a church family, you know, just thinking about us you know, in this context here, all of us together, when new people come in, do they know they matter? And do, do we treat them that way? And if you're new, I, mean, I would love to know that. If you're new I mean, and brave enough to come up and tell me, that'd be fantastic information to know whether or not we're doing a decent job at making you feel welcome, like this is a place that, that you can belong. We work really hard to create a space like that here at Epic, uh, and I would love for us to continue to get better and better at that, living in God's family. So your first purpose is to be loved by God. Your second purpose is to belong to God's family and to live well in the context of that relationship. Now, next week, we're gonna look at our third purpose that God has for us, and I hope that you'll come back and join us for that. So let's pray together, and then Chris will come out and give us some announcements. So Lord, I am so, Lord, just incredibly grateful to you for the guidance that you provide us in scripture. Uh, Lord, these purposes that we are looking at, that we understand from scripture, that our first purpose is to just be loved by you. And then our second purpose, the second thing that you want us to do is to let you adopt us into your family. And you came up with this incredible idea way before the world ever began, way, way before you ever spoke a star into existence. You said, I'm gonna create humanity. I'm gonna choose them and love them. And I want to adopt them into my family. What an incredible gift that you've given us that we can go anywhere around the world. And we, when we come across another church family member, we're a part of a, a family, whether we're here or we're on the other side of the planet somewhere, we can know we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have a responsibility inside 
your family to love each other, to resolve conflict. We have a responsibility to invite people around us, people at work, people at home, people that we shop around, people at school, to invite them to be a part of your family. That is something that concerns you so much that everyone be adopted into your family so that they can be a part of that family for all of eternity. So Lord, I pray that this week we would take those two things seriously, that we would go all throughout our our work week inviting people in to your family and treating them like they matter because they do. And then I pray that we would just be passionate and committed to living inside of your family in a way that really brings honor and glory to you so that people outside look in and say, wow, what do you have? I want to be a part of that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to create that kind of church family here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Trent, for a great message. I appreciate that. You know, I was listening to Trent talk about how uh, he usually dresses pretty casual, but today, because we have a dedication, he's wearing a college shirt. Well, I am too. I'm just accenting mine with flip-flops. So we're doing nice and casual like that. So to help us dive deeper in the second purpose that God has for us, some of us are reading through a devotional book called The Purpose Driven Life. It's a 42-day devotional that kind of helps us apply the truths that we're learning about on Sundays. So if you're doing that with us, this week's reading is day 15, through day 20. So I'll encourage you to keep reading along with us and in fact, even find somebody to discuss that information with. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris. I've got just a few announcements before we release everybody today. Not that you have to wait for my permission. If you want to go, you can go. I won't take offense to it. So there's three pieces of paper that should be on your seats real quick. If you can go ahead and grab those, I want to run through those. The first one says attention parents. This is important. So if you've got a child in our children's ministry, we've got some exciting changes that are coming up. We've got a problem. We're outgrowing our space. What an awesome problem to have, right? That means our ministries are growing, right? Yeah, I heard one woo. I'm excited also. So good stuff, good stuff. But we've got a solution for that. In fact, what we plan to do is as you leave today, to your left is a building called Buddy Taylor Middle School, and there's a walkway right there. And in between those, right after you go through those double doors, there's like a mini auditorium. It's got a stage and a great space. We're taking our first through sixth grade ministry, and we're moving them over there. It's going to be awesome. They're going to have a blast over there. They're going to be able to do all sorts of new things. So um, Um, It's just really going to be a lot of fun. Now, we also have some changes in our early childhood areas, but they're staying here in this building, kind of where they are right now. We're just going to be moving some things around. So in two weeks, May 25th, we're going to have extra signs out. We're going to have extra volunteers out. We will help you get to where you need to be and get your children where they need to be. So don't worry. It's going to be a real smooth transition. Go ahead and grab your announcement sheets. On the front part of that, you're going to see a little bit of information about our missions trip to Guatemala. We are sending two teams to Antigua, Guatemala, to go to our partner church down there. And each team is gonna be building two homes for families in need. Now, the cost of a home is $2,500. And if you're not going down there to physically swing a hammer, but you feel like you wanna help give, you can donate towards that $2,500. You can be part of that cause that gives stability and and, and a place that people are gonna call home for years to come. Another way you can help out is that each one of our volunteers are trying to raise $1,600 to go down there and put in all the hard work that they plan to do. So if you look at that third piece of paper, it says not going give. I want you to read through that. I want you to pray about that. And if you feel compelled to give, there's two ways you can do that. You can go to our website, theepicchurch.com, or you can use our giving boxes. So if you feel that you want it, you're led to give towards that, we just ask you to do that by May 20th. This way we can get all our paperwork done. There's a lot of behind the scenes things that are going on as well. Now, if you call Epic Home, 
And talking about giving, you want to help give back to the community and, and pour into what we're doing here. There's two ways you can do that. And if you go to the epicchurch.com, click on the giving tab, or at the end of the seating sections, we've got some giving boxes set up on tables over there. And if you're new with us, please don't feel any obligation at all to give. Let this service be our gift to you. And in fact, if you are new with us, I want you to know that we have a connection center in the back over there. And after service, if you have an extra minute, please stop by. Let us meet you personally. We have a little bit of information we'd like to give you to tell you a little bit more about who we are and what we are here at Epic Church. Last thing, men, if you're going to Promise Keepers, see me at the back table by the tech team right after service. I have your tickets for you. Last thing, I said last thing already. This is really the last thing. I want you to say hi to somebody you don't know or you don't know well. Have a great Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. We'll see you next time.